Hello and welcome to episode two of the Saturday Six Pod. We're back! I am your co-host AJ here with my brother Tyler. What's going on, man? It's week one of the college football season. I'm excited. We got a great slate of games for you guys today, so let's jump right into it. Hell yeah, man. Uh, especially compared to last week, a couple of snoozers last week, not a ton of intrigue with those matchups, but this week really excited about these because, I mean, you got some top 25 on top 25 matchups. You've also got some intriguing um, non-top 25 matchups that'll kind of help shape college football this year. So excited to get into some of those quickly. Let's touch on some of the games that we talked about last week. We gave our picks on six games. You did well, dude. Five and one to start the season. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll, I'll give yes, you. Sir. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of time to brag on that. <laughs> yeah, man, it was interesting. The only real head scratcher for me was this UConn Utah State game. Utah State just had some issues on defense, getting the ball carrier down. Uh, they got to go back to practice and kind of get those tackling drills back in. Uh, and then they struggled big in the first half, but ended up with the win. Just didn't cover the spread. Yeah, absolutely. I texted you uh, in the first quarter of that game. I was like, what's going on with UConn, dude? They're up 14 to nothing at one point in that game. Kind of was screwing with everybody's picks, considering that Utah State was favored by 27 and a half. But um, you went five and one. I went two and four. So not a great start to the season as far as my picks go. But uh, let's just quickly touch on some of those. Obviously, the big one last week is that Northwestern Nebraska game. Uh you know, Nebraska came into that favored by 13. And I said last week that I thought it was going to come down to quarterback play. You have uh, Ryan Halinski for Northwestern and uh, uh, Casey Thompson for Nebraska. And really, both quarterbacks played really well in the first half of that game. And then Thompson made some throws that were kind of head scratchers, threw a couple of picks there in the second half missed some throws that could have really changed the momentum there. But the big thing for me, dude, at one point in the third quarter, Nebraska's up 11 points, and Scott Frost, the head coach for Nebraska, decides to go for an onside kick. I mean, what are you thinking at that point? Your team has got all the momentum. You don't recover the onside kick, and now Northwestern's got not only got momentum on their side, but they drive down, score, and from there it was all Northwestern. Yeah, there's a couple boneheaded uh, calls like that from Scott Frost. Overall, both these offenses were very efficient on the day, but Helensky just played out of his mind, honestly. Yeah. And I I personally love to see it. Uh, Nebraska now has 21 one-score losses under Coach Frost. I mean, we talked about him being on the hot seat before this game. I would love to be on the floor a fly on the wall of his office when the AD comes in and asks him what the fuck happened there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, I next mean, up we had, go ahead. Uh, next up we have uh, the Illinois versus Wyoming game and dude, Chase Brown is that dude. I said it last right. week. Did I not? I told you watch out for Chase Brown. Kids a stud, man. Uh, yeah. Had a, over a hundred rush yards in the first half. He almost got there in the first quarter. Um, had two touchdowns on the day as well, rushing. I think he also had one receiving. Wyoming's quarterback played awful. Illinois corners played really well. They were all over uh, the second the wide receivers for Wyoming. Illinois favored by ten. That wasn't nearly enough. They end up winning that game thirty-eight to six over the Wyoming Cowboys. So a uh, big win there for Brett Bielema 
and the Fighting Illini in week zero, starting the season off strong. Um, we touched briefly already on the UConn-Utah State game. Huge, huge spread here for Utah State. Like I said, favored by 27 and a half. UConn was able to keep that game much closer. They were leading for a good part of that. Their running back, uh, Carter, had 190 yards on 20 carries. But Utah State's quarterback, Logan Bonner, threw for three touchdowns, was able to pull it out at the end there, get the win, but they do not cover. The the big thing for me, again, is just uh, Utah State defense. Obviously, some tackling issues. They struggled big in the first half, but they managed to get it together. I was surprised. Obviously, we both took Utah State to cover that big. I believe it was a 27-and-a-half point spread, something like that. Maybe we were a little bit zealous on that one, but uh, Utah State's still looking good. They're, they've got the rest of the season ahead of them, and they got time to turn it around. Sure, sure. Let's go uh, talk about FAU Charlotte. This was one that had a little bit of intrigue because the line was just seven for FAU. Um, but Willie Taggart, former Oregon coach, he led the Owls to a 30-point victory. FAU ends up claiming a victory in week zero, 43-13. Their quarterback, Nikosi Perry, um, was great. It was a close game in the first half. And then right there before half, FAU gets a pick six, um, takes it all the way to the house, and that was a huge momentum shift and, and the owls ran away with it after that right and i can just read you some numbers from this game and uh tell you exactly how it went fau had 218 rushing yards to charlotte 62 for the game wow. uh, fau had 26 first downs compared to charlotte's 11 and charlotte began the game 0 for 12 on third and fourth down if you can't get out of third and fourth down, you have no chance of winning a football game. Yeah, it's not uh, unless you're un- unless you're just a team that you know scores touchdowns on every drive uh, on first and second down. You got to be able to convert those, and when you don't, you find yourself behind early and often. And they've they've uh they they just got to learn how to convert. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next game that we talked about was Nevada at New Mexico State. Uh, Nevada was favored by nine in that game, and they do end up covering that. I picked New Mexico State to keep it a little bit closer. Uh, they do not. Nevada, 23, New Mexico State, 12. You got the pick right. Tell us uh, why you went with Nevada there and kind of how that worked out in your favor. Yeah, honestly, uh, I'm going to give Lady Luck a little bit of credit here. Neither one of these teams really showed uh, what they wanted to do in this game. Neither one of them really – uh, had control over it or executed their game plan the way that they were hoping to, at least from a from a spectator's uh, point of view uh, uh, inside. Uh, Diego Pavia was only 9 for 20, 75 yards through the air. You know, it, it's hard to pull out a win when you've got 75 yards from your starting quarterback. They ended up switching to their backup quarterback halfway through the game, which uh, didn't really produce anything either. Yeah is uh it it's just it's a bad showing for either team i'm gonna be honest I, I, I felt it's out of there but one. yeah it, it's <laughs> a tough it's a tough one to watch as a fan even just a fan of college football not even like a nevada or new mexico fan but uh yeah like i said lady luck a little bit there you know we're not always making these picks based off of you know purely stats or knowing something that the average fan doesn't know uh sometimes it's just you get a good feeling about a team so you lean more 
towards them than the other. And, you know, I just got lucky on that one, I guess. Absolutely. Talk about feeling good. Vanderbilt went to Hawaii. We talked a little bit of crap about Vanderbilt, and they showed up and showed out, man. At Hawaii, they whoa, up- whoa. T- yeah. time out. You talked a lot of crap about Vanderbilt. I said I could see Vanderbilt winning by three scores here. I want to put that out. That's Rewind true. the last podcast. I said I could see Vanderbilt winning by three scores or more. I, I think uh, as far as Vanderbilt's season-long outlook, there's a little bit of pessimism there. But, I mean, as far as starting the season off on the right note, they definitely did that. They were only favored by six and a half. Huge win, 63-10 to 10 is the final in that one. Their quarterback, Mike Wright, is he's the real deal, dude. I mean, he was running all over that Hawaii defense. He's got a decent arm as well. Um, I still don't see them winning more than maybe three games this year. But uh, definitely a good showing for head coach Clark Lee in the season opener. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Wright looked really good. He went for four touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, Vanderbilt's defense had two touchdowns on fumble recoveries. While Hawaii kind of used a bit of a two-quarterback system, which neither one of them really got it going. They both combined for 250 yards. Mm -hmm. Uh, But back to Vandy scoring 63 points, that's the most they've scored since 1969. Wow. Our parents weren't even year. a thought in 1969, so that's just how long it's been since Vandy's had a game like this. So hats Absolutely. off to them. Yeah, it's a good year. So do you, so let me ask you this. Uh, if you had to have a pick six player of the week, team of the week, uh, offense, defense of the week, uh, who are you taking here? Um, it's hard not to go with the Illinois running back, Chase Brown. I think he did some amazing things. I talked about last week how I expected him to do that. But I also like what Ryan Holinsky did for Northwestern. I mean, the kid showed up and showed out. Casey Thompson was the talk going into that game, and he proved that he was the better quarterback. That Northwestern offensive line much improved from last year. I said that they would have to be, um, and they were. They out Nebraska. But Holinsky, man, I mean, he balled out 300-plus yards, um, played really well for the Wildcats. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was texting in the middle of the Illinois game, and I was like, Chase Brown's my player of the week. I don't need to see anything else from anybody else. This guy has what it takes um, to be a little bit of a Heisman watch after week zero, maybe. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if if an Illinois player, uh, as much as an Illinois player could be in the Heisman watch, I think he's right there in the thick of it. Um, but yeah, Chase Brown, Ryan Holinsky, I think those are two, two names that really balled out last week. I, I'd have to agree with that. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into this week's slate. We've got, like I said, these games are so much better this week. If, if last week was sort of a snoozer for you and you were just kind of um, struggling to keep your eyes open during some of those games, you will have no trouble with that this week. We have three games that are top 25 on top 25 matchups, um, a bunch of good non-conference matchups this week. Let's go ahead and start with a 3.30 kickoff on ESPN the number 23-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats are going on the road to face off against the number 19-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas favored by six and a half. What are the initial thoughts when you see this one? Yeah, so Cincinnati loses their starting quarterback, Desmond Ritter, from last year, who went to the NFL, along with cornerback uh, Sauce Gardner. Yeah. Uh, so they've, they've got some holes to fill. Sauce Gardner didn't allow a touchdown in his college career. So they've got some big shoes to fill. Head coach Luke Fickle 
I saw released earlier this week that he knows who his starting quarterback is, but he's not going to release it until he absolutely has to. From the scouting reports that I've seen and uh, what I know, I think it's going to be redshirt senior Ben Bryant. But if you look on their quarterback depth chart right now, it says it's uh, redshirt senior Ben Bryant or redshirt sophomore Evan Prater. Um, so look for either one of those two quarterbacks to, to start the season for the Cincinnati Bearcats. And then the big thing here, I mean, head coach Sam Pittman for Arkansas, man. What a turnaround for the program that he had last year, sweeping the state of Texas, beating Texas and Texas a and that's a, that's a big thing for them. And I think that he's got a lot of momentum. He's got all of his players bought into the program. Um, and they're actually doing some, you know, really big things there. Yeah. And Razorback country. This yeah. is a six and a half point favorite for Arkansas. How do you feel about that? Is that, uh, I mean, do they win by a touchdown? I think it's definitely possible when you talk about uh, quarterbacks uh, for Cincinnati, you got to mention the quarterback for Arkansas. KJ Jefferson is a stud, could very well be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC this year. And that's even saying that with, you know, the knowledge that there are a ton of good quarterbacks in the SEC this year. The Arkansas staff, top to bottom, is top notch. When you talk about head coach Sam Pittman, Offensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles. Defensive coordinator, Barry Odom. I mean, it doesn't really get much better than that. So from the top down, Arkansas is loaded. They returned four offensive linemen from last year. Obviously, they lost Traylon Burks, first-round wide receiver, to the Tennessee Titans. But like I said, K.J. Jefferson, I mean, this kid's a stud. I think he's going to ball out. Arkansas needs to win this game because they have a tough schedule opening up. They have Cincinnati. South Carolina, at Texas A&M, Alabama, at Mississippi State. That's five out of their first six games, man. So, I mean, you really have to get off to a good start here against Cincinnati. I don't think six and a half is enough. I like Arkansas by maybe two touchdowns in this one. I'm taking the Hogs. Yeah, I got to agree with you. That is a gauntlet of a schedule that Arkansas has to play, being in the SEC West uh, division there. But a touchdown is not enough. I agree with you. You know, for this Razorback team, they've got a lot going for them. They still have an electric offense, very solid defense that could shut teams out. I'm not saying it's going to be a shutout, but I like Arkansas in their home stadium to kick off the season. A lot of momentum, great fan base around you. They're going to be there early and loud. So yeah, not an easy uh, place I'm gonna to take play. Arkansas too. Not an easy no, place not to all. play at all. I don't think Cincinnati has ever really um, gone to an environment quite like that. Maybe Ohio State. I believe they played there uh, recently. But both of us on the side of the Razorbacks in this one. Something about this line scares me, though. Like, you know, these Vegas guys, they're not picking based off of who they like or, you know, they're, they're basing all of this off of money. If they don't get these picks right, they lose money. So something kind of scares me about the fact that this number is so much lower than I expected it to be, but I'm still going to roll with the Razorbacks here. I li- like I said, I like them to cover that six and a half, and, and you like them as well. So let's go ahead and move on, man. Let's talk about our Georgia Bulldogs, the reigning national champions. They are kicking off the season in dramatic fashion, playing this game in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. That's a quote neutral site as neutral as that gets you know number 11 Oregon Ducks coming all the way from the west coast to play the number three ranked Georgia Bulldogs this one's at 17 and a half depending on where you find it with the Bulldogs being favored 330 kickoff on ABC 
what are the initial storylines that you're looking at or um, things that kind of jump out to you when you first look at this game? Yeah, obviously being a big Georgia fan, I'm super excited for this game. Uh, I will actually be in attendance at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, I got tickets to the game, so uh, it's going to be exciting to see in person. But not only that, uh, Oregon has a new head coach and Dan Lanning, who was the defensive coordinator for the Georgia Bulldogs a year ago during their national championship uh, season. So obviously Georgia coming off the national championship, a lot of momentum behind them. I expect to see a lot of similarities between these two programs. I mean, Georgia knows how Dan Lanning wants to be as a program and how he wants to coach. But on the flip side, Dan Lanning knows everything about Georgia. He was there for the past couple of seasons uh, as recently as last year, whereas you don't have a Georgia staffer that's been in that Oregon system for so long that he knows the players inside and out, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, I see a lot of similarities in recruiting. Uh, Oregon's always been good at recruiting. I think it's the uniforms and all of the sweet Nike gear that they get. Yeah. Kind of hard for an 18-year-old kid not to want that kind of Checks stuff. Checks over stripes, baby. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I see a lot of similarities between these two. What I expect this game to be is actually a lot like Georgia's uh, season opener a year ago when they played Clemson up there in, I believe it was Charlotte. Yep. Uh, I, I, I kind of see both of these offenses kind of, you know, getting off to a slow start and, you know, trying to find their identity where both these teams have really good defenses. Uh, Noah Sewell on the Oregon side, you know, heading that charge. And then, you know, the Georgia defense from a year ago, obviously they lose like nine starters to the NFL. Uh, so 17 and a half, that's, that's a lot for me. I, if it was more around nine, nine and a half, 10, I'd be more comfortable with that, but I am not going to take Georgia to score 18 more points than the Oregon Ducks this week. Interesting. So rolling against your Georgia Bulldogs is going to pick Oregon to cover I that. I have them spread. winning. Yeah, yeah, I have them winning all day. Uh, the dogs are going to come out on top, but 17 and a half is just way too high for me. I'm I'm not comfortable with that spread as a, as a betting man. Yeah, I'm almost inclined to agree with you on this one. The thing that gives me pause is two things. One, Oregon's quarterback, Bo Nix, formerly at Auburn, transferred to Oregon uh, to be their starter this year. He has not had success against Georgia. He's 0-3 in his career against Georgia. They've had his number every single time, whether that's in Athens or um, in Auburn. It doesn't really matter. They dominate that kid. Um, so part of me thinks that trend might continue. Like you said, Oregon's got some linebackers, man. You mentioned Noah Sewell. They've also got Justin Flo. Those are two guys that Georgia really wanted badly um, in, that, in their respective recruiting classes. So they've got some pieces on defense. They've got athletes. But one thing to note here, any guesses on which team had the most two tight end sets last year? The, most plays ran with two tight end sets last year. Any guesses? I would love to say Georgia just because uh, obviously there's Brock Bowers pretty much always out on the field. Uh, but, you know, now thinking back, I really don't remember seeing a overload of two tight end sets with you know darnell washington out there yeah. uh, for georgia or any other tight end for that matter so i'll go um, ahead and i'll go ahead and save you and give you the answer here the team that ran the most two tight end sets per play last season was the utah utes okay and if you think about that oregon lost 
to Utah both times they played them last year by a combined score of like 70 to 17. Okay, so the only thing that really makes me pause and think about taking Georgia in this one is the fact that Oregon had so much trouble against tight end heavy formations last year. And like you said, Georgia's tight end room is potentially the best ever. I mean, when you talk about Brock Bowers, when you talk about Darnell Washington, that's not even mentioning a Rick Gilbert, the LSU transfer that didn't play last year. Oscar Delp is a freshman that would start on 95% of college football teams and probably be, you know, an All-American in his uh, in that conference at the end of the year. And he's number four on the depth chart. So I expect a lot of tight ends in this game. I expect a very physical matchup. I was leaning Oregon to keep it closer than 17 and a half as well. I think I'm still going to pick Georgia to win, but I do like Oregon to cover. The last reason I'm going to give you for that is, like you said, former defensive coordinator at Georgia, Dan Lanning, is now the head coach at Oregon. We know Kirby Smart likes to take his foot off of the gas if he's got a lead in the fourth quarter. And I just, you know, if he's got a chance to score a touchdown late to cover that spread, I don't think he's going to do it to his boy. You know, I could just see him kind of putting in the the second string running back, you know, taking three yards in a cloud of, of dust, running the running the clock out there at the end. I'm going to roll with Oregon as well to keep that closer than 17 and a half. I could still see it being a 14-point win by the Bulldogs, um, but I, I like Oregon to keep that within that spread as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. So, you know, we're on the same page through two games. Let's see if we can shake it up with this next one. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the next one. This one's intriguing. I'm really excited about this one. you got the number seven team in the country, the Utah Utes, going on the road all the way across the country to face off against the Florida Gators. Seven o'clock Eastern time kickoff. That one will be on ESPN. And Utah is actually the favorite in this one, not by much. It's two and a half, depending on where you find this spread. What's the initial thoughts? Gators breaking in a new head coach in Billy Napier. Utah, they've got the same head coach that they've had for the last 20 years in Kyle Whittingham. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking that Utah and the Illinois fighting uh, Illinois uh, need some new mascots, some new uh, team nicknames. Yeah, very creative. (laughs) Yeah, Florida's got a new head coach, Billy Napier. He's in a rebuild situation there in Florida. He just wasn't given much when he took over. He was a, a... very talented head coach at his last job, uh, which is why Florida wanted to pick him up so badly. I think they got the, the exact guy that they wanted to, but I also think that the exact guy they wanted was Will Muschamp, and then it was <laughs> – uh, I mean, it it's a horror show as far as head coach picks for Florida. Yeah. The Whereas Utah, I mean, they're a great up-and-coming program right now. They're ranked number seven in the AP Top 25 to start the year. And yep. for me, that's the perfect spot for them. If if I had to do my own ranking, number seven is a perfect spot for Utah. I don't like them anymore. I don't like them any less. Uh, but they're a very solid program. I will say going into Jackson or Gainesville, excuse me, Gainesville, Florida, is such a hard thing to do. The I swamp. mean, that atmosphere, right. The Get swamp, me swamp is probably – swamp probably one of the hardest places to play in all of college football i don't know if if you would agree with that or not but their fans are rowdy even 
mostly annoying in my, my opinion. But are, are you, know, you saying that? From a, are you saying there's some <laughs> there's some ogres in that swamp? Oh, absolutely. But these ogres wear jorts, <laughs> um, which yeah. you know make them even more formidable. But two and a half is is comfortable. I mean, you you picking a team to win by a field goal. Mm-hmm. You know, I I could take that all day. I like Utah. I think that Florida kind of has some growing pains to start their season and, you know, throughout the entirety of their first season under head coach Billy Napier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is one of those where uh, Florida fans are going to go into a little bit hype and then get their expectations t- uh, tempered a little bit. When, get humbled a little bit. Uh, Utah comes to town. Yeah. Yeah, I think? Think, I think the kind of like the Northwestern Nebraska game uh, last week, I think this one's going to come down to quarterback play. So you have Utah's quarterback is Cameron Rising. Um, he started stud. Yeah, I mean he's a stud. You're right. He didn't start uh, week one last year. They struggled out the gate, and then by week three, he was named their starter. Absolutely took off. Um, led them to a Pac-12 championship game. They end up winning that game. Very physical team. Like I said, lots of two tight end sets. They love to run the ball. Um, They beat Oregon twice last year in order to win the Pac-12. And then on the other side, you got this kid, Anthony Richardson. I mean, this kid is going to win some games for Florida by himself this year. I mean, he's he's elite. And I expect him to keep them in a lot of games that they probably shouldn't be in this year. I think it's going to come down to that quarterback battle. If Richardson can get hot early, I think the Swamp – the crowd can kind of get behind the Gators here and maybe help them pull that win off. But if they come out slow, if they turn the ball over, um, if they're if they're not able to flip field position, if they have any special teams errors, then I could also see Utah just kind of grinding this one out, making it a shorter game, running the ball a lot, um, just kind of running it down Florida's throat on this one. Florida's lacking a lot of depth. You know, when you talk about bringing in a new head coach, you typically think about a lot a lot of roster turnover. Um, they do have a bunch of transfers that came in. But I don't know. UF is tough for me because when you look at last year, they hosted Alabama, lost by two. I mean, they almost beat Alabama in the swamp. That tells you how formidable that you know uh, atmosphere can be. But then they turn around and lose to LSU, South Carolina, Missouri. They allowed 52 points to Samford. Not Stanford, but Samford. Um, so, I don't know. UF wide receiver Justin Shorter, huge. He's tall. Could be a red zone threat for them there. Um, and they've got a tough schedule early, so they really need to win this one against Utah because after Utah, you have the likes of Kentucky. Um, South Florida won't be a, a too bad of a struggle for them. And then you have Tennessee. So, there's a very real scenario here where Florida can start the season 1-3. and three. And that would just be absolutely devastating for the Gators program. I don't know. I'm, I was leaning in the direction of Utah on this one. I think I might go Florida just to be different on this one. I don't have a strong lean either way on this one. It could go either way for me. Um, I was going to pick Utah, but I think to be different from you, I'll go ahead and pick the Florida Gators to um, maybe not, maybe not win it. They might win it outright, but uh, I'll take them to cover that two and a half and, and and keep it a closer game just to just to be on different sides from you. I got gotcha. you. I mean, how'd that work out for you last week trying to be different from me? Uh, didn't work well at all. But Let's... hey, I'm here for the people. You know, <laughs> if my record has to suffer because of it, 
then that's fine. But uh, maybe it'll look, little, look a little bit more interesting on the graphics. <laughs> yeah, you can be the uh, hot take guy for the podcast. Absolutely. I'll give you that role. Somebody's got to do it, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah. So this next game, I think it's got to be the game of the week. When you talk about two top five teams going at it, it's really a no-brainer for me. You've got number five, Notre Dame, Fighting Irish, going to Ohio State, the number two ranked team in the country. Ohio State, this is a big number, man. I don't know if I've ever seen a 17-point spread between two top five teams. Ohio State, big favorite here. 7.30 kickoff night night game. That one, you can catch it on ABC. Go ahead and tell me, what are the initial thoughts when you see this one? It's uh, just so you know, to correct your pronunciation is the ohio state university uh how can um, i forget if you talk if you talk to any fan or player that's ever uh been a buckeye it's an interesting one Notre Dame well, real quick real new- quick if you have to validate your program by capitalizing the word the or the then maybe you should look elsewhere as far as trying to validate your program I mean, this is a valid program. I got to disagree with you there. It's uh, it, it's original. Nobody else really does it. You know, I'll give it to them if that's their thing. Uh, we'll let that when's be their it, thing. Quickly, when's the last time they've exceeded expectations? Dude. When they won the national just, championship in 2015? I mean, why, are we, we ex- why are we hating on Ohio State here? I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, let's be, let's be real here. We expect Ohio State to win the Big Ten. We expect Ohio State to be in playoff contention. I mean, if they're not doing that, then that ought to tell you that something's wrong. As far as offense goes, they've got more firepower than anybody in the country. Last year, this year, if they don't make a run at the college football playoff and you know potentially a national championship game, that's a travesty, I think. Yeah, it's a bust for them if they can't make it to that national championship each year. Um, but I think that just speaks even highly, even more highly of their program. I mean, all it takes is one year to put all all the pieces together. You see that with Georgia. I mean, it's national championship or bust for them every year too, but you know, how many times have they been able to get it done recently? Just last year, just last year, I'm not hating on my Georgia Bulldogs here, but all it takes is to put that one missing piece together. And, you know, you've got a team that can do that. Sure. Uh, but Notre Dame coming in, new head coach Marcus Freeman, Brian Kelly goes to the LSU Tigers. We'll speak more on that uh, later in the podcast. That, that'll be an interesting thing to see what uh, what Marcus Freeman can do for Notre Dame. Uh, but there's just too much going for Ohio State here, man. I mean, you have C.J. Stroud at quarterback, which is from my estimations. And if I if I had to put a bet on it, I'm taking him for the Heisman this year. I mean, he's mm-hmm. that caliber of player. And then when you put the amount of when you have the amount of weapons that CJ Stroud has, I don't think there's a quarterback in this league that has better weapons than he has around him offensively. Yeah, when, when you, you have talk- the likes of Julian Fleming, Jackson mm-hmm. Smith, Najigba, I mean, we could keep, rattle them off. Marvin know, Harrison Jr., running back Travion Henderson. When you talk about weapons, they're right. they're freaking loaded. Yeah, I mean, you spoke to it a little bit. This is a high octane offense that is going to put up points on any defense that they play. And uh, the the only thing that defenses can do is, you know, control the bleeding and, you know, limit the amount of points they can put and then hope that their offense can match that. And this is not a Notre Dame offense that I expect to be able to match 
Ohio State offense. And it's not a Notre Dame defense that I expect to be able to slow the bleeding. Uh, I think that Ohio State scores early and often. I think that Notre Dame's defense is on the field for way too long, just tiring them out more. And uh, Notre Dame's offense is just not going to be able to move the ball in such a electric atmosphere in college football. Uh, it's just – this is one of those things that I think plays such a bigger factor in college football than, say, the NFL – is the home field advantage, man. I mean, college football stadiums just hold more fans. When you talk about Ohio State fans, they're going to fill that. Notre Dame notoriously doesn't travel well. I mean, you go back to 2017, Georgia plays Notre Dame. It's like 65% Georgia fans in South Bend. So I don't see Notre Dame having a chance. I think that 17 is way too low. I think Notre Dame is always projected some much higher in the AP poll than they ever should be. Number five is just, you know, yes, they had a good season last year, but last year shouldn't be the determining factor on your rankings, especially not if you're going to put a Georgia team at number three after winning the national championship and say yeah. that Ohio State and Alabama are better. So this is a game that Ohio State is going to run away with. They're going to open up their season big. I'm going to take o Ohio State to cover 17 points, probably win by 20 plus. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. I think if there is a recipe for Notre Dame to – first, I think there's three scenarios that can play out in this game. The first scenario being on what you, what you touched on, Ohio State big early and often. The second scenario being Notre Dame keeps it closer than people expect. And then the third scenario being a Notre Dame upset. I think the last one is obviously the least likely to happen, but the recipe for that to happen – I believe is Notre Dame controlling the line of scrimmage. So Notre Dame has always been good at recruiting offensive linemen. They've always been good at recruiting tight end. When you talk about some of the top tight ends in the nation, uh, Michael Meyer has got to be, you know, right up there with the best. Um, I think Ohio state brings in new defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, formerly at Oklahoma state. So that has always kind of been the missing piece for Ohio state electric offense, um, Swiss cheese as far as their defense goes a lot of the time. So um, I, I don't know. I think I also like Ohio State in this one. If this one was in South Bend, maybe I see them keeping that a little bit closer. But like you said, too many weapons for Ohio State. C.J. Stroud kicking off his Heisman campaign with 350-plus yards, you know, three, four touchdowns. Notre Dame, though, if they can keep this one close – because they're an independent school, they could very well still end up in the college football playoff. They still have to play Clemson. They still have to play USC. If they can win both of those games, a close loss to Ohio State may not be the end of their season here. So um, I think I'm going to also pick the Buckeyes. We talked about shitty mascots. If you're a nut, I mean, I'm not intimidated by that. I'm sorry. But, you know, I think – CJ Stroud. That's all I got to say. I'll take Ohio State in this one as well. We're on the same side. 17, not quite enough. I like the Buckeyes to roll. Yeah, I agree with you in, uh, with what you touched on a little bit. Uh, Notre Dame has to control the line of scrimmage. I think they have a very good chance of doing that. Their tight ends, offensive line have always been immaculate. Sure. So let's move on to the next game. This one's got a little bit of intrigue around it. We have an ACC matchup here. We have the Louisville Cardinals 
They are going to the Syracuse Orange, another shitty mascot. You can't pick a mascot based off of a color. That is awful. Um, eight o'clock it's kickoff. Fruit. It's a fruit. Is it a fruit? I mean, the the mascot's a fruit, but I think they just base it off of their team colors. It's like that's like calling the Louisville the Reds. Um, we'll leave that to Cincinnati, the baseball team. But uh, Louisville's favored by four and a half, depending on where you find this one. What are the initial thoughts on this one? I I know this may not be as intriguing as some of the other matchups, so don't cut the podcast off here because there are some interesting parts to it, um, and we've got one more game to touch on. So uh, what, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. There are actually is a few things that I'm excited to see from this game. Uh, number one being this is a 56-and-a-half point over-under. Uh, so Vegas expecting this to be a, a shootout by all accounts. And I think it actually has the potential to be. Um, you have Malik Cunningham, and I hate to do this because it, it's not fair to Malik Cunningham. Uh, it's not fair to uh, the other guy that's about to be mentioned, but he's a dual threat quarterback and, you know, draws a lot of comparisons to the Lamar Jacksons. That's the only kind of quarterback that Louisville even recruits as dual threat ever since Lamar Jackson came through. Uh, it's hard to argue with that. You're not going to. Right. I mean, it, it worked for him, and Malik Cunningham works for them, too. Uh, yeah, he's a but, stud. You know, absolutely. But beyond that, I mean, they have a deep running back group there mm-hmm. in Louisville. Uh, they have a few studs, and their O-lines are turning four starters. I think that's going to help uh, take a little bit of the pressure off of Malik Cunningham. He can hand the ball off a little bit more, focus mm-hmm. on uh, improving his pocket passing ability. Uh, obviously, he's always been better when he's able to extend the play with his legs but you know i think that offense actually has a lot going for them this year but not to put a gray area on syracuse's running back either they have a all america and sean tucker over there in syracuse too that guy is a stud i'm not saying that he's going to be the Chase, Chase Brown. Browns of the world. Yeah. Um, but uh, Sean Tucker is a running back to look out for for Syracuse. I think that this could be a very high scoring game. The problem is, is that Syracuse has issues in, in pretty much all facets of their defense. They're not very good at stopping the run. They've got holes in their secondary that if Malik Cunningham can be the passer that Louisville's expecting him to be. Uh, he's got a good opportunity to pick that defense apart through the air, which is why I'm, I'm going to have to go Louisville. I got them covering the spread. It's a four and a half point spread, which isn't much. I expected it to be higher. And th- these spreads, we're, we're picking against the spread as it is today. These spreads are always changing pretty much up until game time. Um, so if you're listening to this on Saturday and you look it up and it's a seven point spread or something like that, that's why um, I could see this spread getting a little bit larger. But as of right now, with a four-and-a-half-point favorite of Louisville, I'm going to have to take Louisville on this one. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. I think high scoring, I think close game. Uh, I do think Louisville can't rely on Malik Cunningham. Obviously, he's a stud, but they need to be able to rely on him a little bit less. Um, they have to improve in the turnover department. They turned the ball over way too much last season. They will have to improve on that in order to have – uh, the season that they want to have this year. Syracuse is going to be a change in philosophy this year. So last year, ran the ball sixth most in the country um, at the FBS level. They do have quarterback Garrett Schrader, 
um, who is formerly a Mississippi State quarterback. He's got to improve his accuracy, um, missed a lot of easy open throws last year. But like you said, that Louisville rushing attack is elite. They're going to have to stop that run game in order to have a chance in this one. Four and a half. I'm feeling like I want to pick the Cardinals in this one as well. Something tells me Syracuse might have the magic at home to pull this one off. I'm going to be the hot take guy again. I wanted to go Louisville. I'm going to do something different, try to make the graphic look a little bit sexier. I'm going to roll with the orange in this one. I still think Louisville can win this game, but maybe by a field goal. So I'll take this, take Syracuse here just to be different from you. Um, We'll see how that one plays off. Like I said, I don't feel too strongly one way or the other on this game, but lots of intrigue, um, lots of uh, ACC uh, potential uh, um, conference landscape shifting going on here with this game. So um, we'll see how that one plays out. So let me ask you this question. Uh, Hypothetically, Syracuse pulls out the win next week on the podcast when we're recapping this game. What is your way too early prediction of the – uh, the one thing for Syracuse that did it to pull off this win. They forced turnovers there, what, on defense. That That's their key to success? Yeah, absolutely. Special teams plays a huge role. Field position plays a huge role. I mean, it sounds cliche, but that's what wins ball games, guys. It's not, you know, high-powered offense. It's not good defense. It's turnovers. It's field position. It's special teams. You ask any head coach that is, you know, respectable. And that's the three things that he will tell you they're the most important to any game. So if Syracuse has a chance, they're at home too. So, you know, if the crowd can get into it a little bit and, and they can make some, some, uh, you know, it's called Bob, you know, the bounce of the ball. Sometimes it goes in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't in football. So um, I, I'd be interested to see if, if they can get um, a little bit of momentum on their side and maybe keep this game a little bit closer, or maybe even win outright. I agree with you with those three factors. I'd like to add one more in there, and I'm going to go with discipline. If you're the team that draws less penalties than the other, if you're not jumping off sides, if you're not holding, you know, you're not getting stupid uh, penalties that are setting you back early in the downs uh, behind the chains, that can be a huge, uh, not only for momentum, but, you know, just staying ahead of the chains. It's, really hard when you're shooting yourself in the foot over and over again to get ahead in the game. So if if I had to add one more to your set of three, it it would be the discipline who can uh, stay on the good side of the referees the longest. Yeah. Just avoid shooting yourselves in the, in the foot. We saw that last week with North Northwestern. They did a six minute drive there at the end of the game where they were content. Just they ran the ball, I think maybe 12 straight times. And it was like, you're going to have to line up and stop us because we're not going to beat ourselves. We're going to wait for you to make a mistake and then we're going to capitalize on it. We're not doing anything crazy. We're not, you know, throwing play action bombs. We are going to do what we do and do it well. So I think I think if Syracuse um, wins this game, yeah, I think if Syracuse wins this game, it's because they do what they do well. They avoid costly turnovers. Um, maybe they capitalize on a Malik Cunningham interception or fumble or um, a misread or something like that. So um, very possible. Let's go ahead and move on to our last sixth game of our pick six here. You have the 1-0, started their season off with a win, Florida State Seminoles going on the road um, at LSU. Actually, this one's being played in New Orleans um, where the Saints play. So you have the LSU Tigers that are favored by a field goal in this one, three-point spread. That'll actually be on Monday night, uh, 7.30 kickoff on ABC. 
So um, Monday should be the primetime game here. Lots of attention on both of these programs. We talked about LSU breaking in. New head coach Brian Kelly, formerly at Notre Dame. FSU, I believe, in their third year under Mike Norvell. What is the initial thoughts when you see Seminoles and Tigers? Yeah, even though this is being played in New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, I think that F- Florida State is actually slated to be the home team in this it's, it's, quote, it's about unquote, as, neutral uh, site game. It's about as neutral site as Oregon, Georgia, Oregon, being Georgia. played in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you touched on it. Brian Kelly inherits the program from Coach O. Uh, Go Tigers. Go Tigers. I think so. Th- this is one of the two big uh, head coach hires out of the SEC. We touched on Billy Napier earlier with Florida. The stark difference there is Brian Kelly's not inheriting such a rebuild as Billy Napier is uh, mm-hmm. in the swamp. Uh, a lot of people think he is, though, which is funny because, you know, they, they win a national championship with Joe Burrow in 2019. And that was probably one of the most historic uh, offensive teams that we've seen uh, maybe in our lifetime, at mm-hmm. least, you know, it, it, it's up there. It's in the record books forever. Um, but because they haven't been doing what they were doing in 2019, everybody thinks it's a total rebuild, which I don't believe it is. I think it's one. I, I think that you're getting an improvement in head coach, believe it or not. Uh, um, and I think that you just have a couple of pieces that you got to put together. And this is a really strong LSU football team. Florida State, on the other hand, Really good turnaround to, you know, what they've been doing the past five years uh, last season. Um, they actually uh, – I picked them in a few games last year, um, and they were doing really well. They lose a couple players to the draft, but nothing uh, too heavy. The big question is, can they do it again? Was last year a Cinderella season for them, or mm-hmm. are they finally coming back to uh, the forefront of college football like they were back? Back in 2016, you know, Jameis Winston era, that kind of stuff, uh, Jalen Ramsey era. But only a three-point spread. I think LSU is just – they just have more talent. It's, yeah. it's just going to be a pure a pure talent thing for me. I think Brian Kelly is going to bring a lot of the great things that he did uh, in Notre Dame over to this LSU squad with uh, – uh, terrific recruiting of offensive linemen and tight ends. I think it's going to be a smash mouth type of offense from LSU, which I don't think we've really seen in quite some time as they've yeah. kind of been that high flying spread offense that we're used to seeing over the past couple of years. So I'm going to have to pick the Tigers. All right. So uh, yeah, I I'm leading LSU as well on this one. Like I said, FSU started their season off 1-0. They beat Duquesne last last week, which is an FCS school, 47-7. to They do have depth issues, especially along the offensive line. Um, so I think that is not a good way to uh, kind of go into LSU with obviously the talent that they have. You, you said it best. LSU is just more talented. They've got more four and five stars in FSU. Um, FSU does have quarterback Jordan Travis, who um, did some good things last year, did some good things last week. Um, They had three running backs who actually went over 100 yards in their game last week. Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen again this week, but they have depth there at the running back position. LSU, they haven't announced it yet. Head coach Brian Kelly says he's going to keep it a secret up until kickoff time, but the expected starter at quarterback there is going to be the Arizona State transfer Jaden Daniels so interested to see what this guy they do is there. good he is and it's like this guy is you know, good 
I don't think he would leave Arizona State to go to LSU if he wasn't expecting or even maybe even promised to be their starter at quarterback. So um, I expect him to be the starter, even though Coach Kelly is uh, trying to keep the cards close to the vest on that one. LSU's secondary is not great. They lost a lot last year, um, but I don't think it matters that much. I'm going to roll with the Tigers here at well. They're basically at home. They're more talented. I, I just I just see them – Three points is just not enough here. I, I like the Tigers as well. Let's recap real quick. Cincinnati, Arkansas, we both like the Razorbacks to cover that one. Oregon, Georgia, we both like Georgia to win, but we both picked the Ducks to cover. Utah at Florida, you picked Florida – or excuse me, I picked Florida, you picked Utah. Notre Dame, Ohio State, we both picked Ohio State to cover that big spread. Louisville, Syracuse, you took Louisville. I reluctantly – took Syracuse, and then Florida State LSU. We're both on the side of the Tigers there. So we've got our pick six for this week. We'll throw up a graphic here later in the week. Um, we'll throw this on the streaming services. Please give us a follow on Instagram, guys, at Saturday6pod. We're also on Twitter. Um, same thing, at Saturday6pod. Um, make sure you're liking all of those posts. Uh, make sure you subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you find podcasts. We are up and running we're loving bringing it to you guys. So we're hoping you're, you're enjoying it. Um, any last thoughts from you, Tyler? No, uh, that's about it. I'm excited for this week one. It's a lot of interesting matchups. If you agree with any of our picks, if you disagree, let us know on uh, any of our social media pages. If there's some games that we didn't touch on that you're excited to see, let us know. And uh, we'll be back next week with the recap of these six games. And Six fresh new ones for week two. Absolutely. We'll see you guys next week. Deuces.